You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who is the doctor? Doctor who? Uh, today, we're going to be talking about my absolute favorite show, Doctor Who. We're going to be discussing who the doctor is, who's the best doctor, and if you've never seen the show, where should you start watching it? Today's episode is primarily for beginners, so... If you're new to Doctor Who, or if you're just kind of Doctor Who curious, if people have been telling you to watch it forever, you have no idea where to start because there's 60 years of content and it's kind of overwhelming, take a deep breath. We'll let you know where to start today. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Systematic Geekology, episode number six. We are the priest to the geeks. And of course, when I say that, I don't mean that we're ordained priest. Um, Brandon's working on it. But <laughs> but really, we just mean the original biblical sense of being mediators between culture and the faith, uh, specifically geek culture for us. And um, this isn't a trap. We really are just huge Doctor Who fans who want to talk about it from a Christian perspective and looking forward to talking with you guys about it. Remember, if you enjoyed this episode, you can help support the show so we can keep making great Christian geek content at patreon.com slash systematicgeekology, where you'll have access to all types of bonus extended universe content, like our bonus episode reviewing Doctor Who season two, episodes eight and nine, The The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. Yeah, I am Joshua Knoll. I am a fourth-year biblical studies student at North Greenville University, and I recently, on the way to Orlando, listened to the entire soundtrack from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog four times over, and it was great each time. That caught me off guard. Hey, I'm Brandon Knight. <laughs> I'm Brandon Knight. I am a produce merchandiser, traveling preacher, pastoral, youth ministry intern, seminary student, TikToker, podcaster. I do way too much. And I have been enjoying some Doctor Who short story literature that I will be happy to tell you about more when we get to the recommendation section. Uh, I am Joe. I am a uh, broadcaster, podcaster, um, all over the place. And I recently have been binging on uh, Star Trek lore that I'll tell you about in the recommendation. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about that. I just started getting into Star Trek this year, actually. Way to be late to the party. Yeah, super late. All right, so for today's episode, we are going to be talking about, again, what is Doctor Who? Where should people even start when you have 60 years worth of material to jump into? And what is the general storyline like? Yeah, yeah. Which, um... (laughs) Who wants to try and explain 60 years worth of material? (laughs) Okay, let let me me try this. Um, Which... uh, I, I can't even give you some of the origins because that's kind of been um, revamped in the newest season. But I, I, I'll give you what I can give you. We do know someone who at least thinks they're a Time Lord uh, is born on this planet called Gallifrey. Um, they don't really like school, so they steal one of the vehicles that can disguise itself as anything, travel through all of time and space. Uh, doesn't have a name yet at this point. Um, so they steal the vehicle, travels ends up on Earth, it gets stuck as a blue police box, and uh, eventually one of his human companions named TARDIS for time and relative dimension in space, um, which the Doctor just thought was clever, so he kept it. 
Um, uh, and with that, the Doctor, who is this Time Lord we were talking about, who stole a spaceship, uh, basically is just running away from his own race for a long time. Um, he ends up, because he's so much more clever than literally everyone, including everyone on his own planet, he becomes president on and off of that planet. He's super involved with Earth politics a couple times. Um, keeps going through the classic years, just has all kinds of crazy adventures, fights Yetis, these little guys called Daleks, Cybermen, just crazy stuff. Um, and then something happens in between the classic episodes and the current episodes where the Doctor may or may not have destroyed his entire race. I'm trying to avoid some spoilers here, but uh, that's sort of what you come into on the new series where it's like oh yeah no all time lords are dead and you're like what and john um, hurt may or may not have been a doctor at one point we're unsure also, yeah <laughs> i mean we're sure but you're unsure because we don't want to spoil it for you um <laughs> yeah and uh, then it goes through what it's like to be without a home planet and some stuff happens and he gets a hint that he m might not have destroyed it and there might be a way to get them back and that's sort of where the show lands you in the new series. Is that a, uh, is that, how does that do work for a summary? Is that, is that pretty on point or am I missing stuff? Cause I know I'm missing stuff. I think storyline wise, you have covered the basis, the basics as best as you can. Um, I would throw in there the concept of regeneration. So this is something oh, yeah. that is very unique to Doctor Who that kind of separates it from all the other different sci-fi, Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, is that this concept of regeneration. And Josh, you can you know correct me if I'm wrong on some of these, but basically, in simple terms, when the Doctor starts losing some of his or her life force, instead of dying... There, the body regenerates into a completely new person, a new actor. Same type of motivation, a lot of the same mannerisms, many new characteristics. Some doctors are a little goofier than others. Um, and most importantly, completely new wardrobe. That is the big thing yeah. that changes with every doctor is the outlandish clothes that the doctor wears. Yeah. Um, new wardrobe. this is how... This was a nice way that has worked out that over a 60 year span of having, what are we on, 13 now, soon <laughs> to be 14 different people who have played this character, uh, to be able to have well, a legacy character. 15. And if you count Warlords, you got 15. Um, this is a great way to create a legacy character that has been able to naturally evolve with the storylines and with the current times as well. Yeah, and it makes some of the language around it kind of difficult because we all talk about our favorite doctor, but it's really the same doctor, same memories, same, you know, soul, if you will, just right. uh, every now and then dies and comes back with a completely different personality and look. For you yeah. very uh, theologically minded individuals listening to this episode, this is a heresy, but it's very similar to modalism <laughs> in that you have one being who at different points has been different things. Immodalism, spirit switches yeah. back and forth. That's all a heresy. But for those of you theologically minded individuals to help kind of bring this in a little bit better, that is kind of what the doctor is. Also, the doctor doesn't have a name. The, the He is the doctor. And well, therefore lends it. Well, okay, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. Time typically goes by the name the doctor, which is, you know, the pun of the title of the show then. Because obviously... 
everyone at least once says in the episode doctor who so yeah yeah, and uh, they they have a, a lot of fun takes with that. Um, of course, the doctor actually does have a name, but he can only tell it to his wife, which creates some interesting love stories. When you live that long and no one else does, you end up with multiple wives. Turns out, um, yeah, which is yeah, its own topic we could discuss, I suppose. Um, but also, for those of you who who just like to know, that's uh, supposedly legend goes because. When people when he's going undercover, he can't use his name, the doctor, because that's not undercover. So he uses John Smith. And supposedly that's where humans got John Smith. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, uh, do you have any takes? Who who is the doctor to you? Who is the doctor? So I came in uh, way after the fact. Um, my wife was a big fan of Doctor Who and got me involved. And so I had the opportunity to binge straight through each iteration of New Who. I've seen episodes of Old Who, but I have not endeavored into actually like full on watching the seasons. So to me... It's fascinating that they figured out a formula to be able to allow for one character to build such a dynamic lore, the base of lore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. If you ask the diehard fans, they will tell you there is continuity. It is there. Oh, there yeah. is a structure mm-hmm. to this. But at the same token, it's designed in a way that while you might have questions, you might wonder, hey, who's this, who's that? It's very easy to jump in at a a different spot. And I think that's part of why that you find so much of, you know, this is my favorite doctor, this is my doctor, that kind of thing. Yeah, which is um, sort of what we're going to get to with this episode is it's not a good idea to try and start at the beginning. First of all, you'll never catch up. Second of all, a lot of the early episodes, because it was made such a long time ago, are actually just missing. So you just you can't watch mm-hmm. it all the way through that way. And um, unless you're just really used to watching TV that was made in the 60s, it might be a little off putting if you start there. It's also <laughs> black and white. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I liken early th- from what I've seen of early who I liken it to original era um, kaiju movies like mm. Godzilla yeah. and things like that, yeah. where you literally can see the straight. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the fact that it's it's figurines being moved across the screen and things like that. From what I've seen of original who. It's kind of the same deal where it's not like it's a super polished product in the, <laughs> in the same way that New Who is. So you have to know, understand what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I would say that Who is very much like, like Star Trek in that way. Oh, yeah. Where like you can see the evolution and just because it came previously – doesn't mean that it's required watching to get involved. Yeah. yeah that's, um, uh, the original that's Dalek. Sorry, go ahead. I was like, the original Dalek, you can absolutely tell that it's just a small man in a trash can holding a plunger because <laughs> that, that is what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some of the, the beauty of Doctor Who, I think, because as technology has progressed, like the special effects do get a little bit better, a little bit. Uh, it is still just <laughs> television production quality. Um, but I think that's just that has the cheesiness, I guess, 
has become part of the lore. Like, yeah, it's part of the in, all serious, uh, in all seriousness, the dogs are ridiculous looking. And the voice is kind of weird yeah. and off-putting at first. <laughs> but it's, yeah. once you become understand who the Daleks are, like, they're one of my favorites. Like, I love the Daleks. Oh, yeah. I get excited when the Daleks show up. Oh, yeah. I, I think most Who fans do. Like, it, the first time the Dalek was in the new series, and it was just a single Dalek. It, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who don't know, what, what are Daleks, since this is for beginners? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you want to take a stab at that one? I... Okay, feel free to jump in if I miss something for the veterans. Um, but uh, longtime enemies of the Time Lords, um, bent on, um, you know, world dominance. Yeah, they um, galaxy dominance. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna show. I, I'm sorry, I'm just too much of a geek with this uh they i want to say it's called genesis of the daleks there's a there's a series that's with the fourth doctor um you basically the the way the daleks came to be was a planet that was just completely war-torn and everyone kept upgrading and upgrading to be better at war having the best equipment until eventually you come with the daleks that are basically they're more or less just the incarnation of war that's that's all they are yeah. Um, so, you know, of course they win their planet and then they have to expand because that that's what war does. And it's, um, interesting commentary on war itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. A lot of the show, especially because it's not Hollywood. A lot of the show is like, it's always seems to be like 10 to 20 years behind Hollywood production quality. Sure. And that's, and, and on top of that, it's TV show quality. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Which also means it has to stand on the story which is one thing I really appreciate. Um, as far as talking about who the doctor is, there there are some things that are consistent, that are always part of the doctor, um, which I, I would say just a caring for humanity, a caring for others, um, never puts himself first, um, love, kindness, second chances, curiosity might actually be the biggest attribute. Um, to you guys... Uh, what are some of the attributes that you consider just part of the core of who the doctor is? For me, you know, you have the doctor traveling throughout time and space doing, you know, showing up on planets, saving people, engaging with various alien species. I would say to me, the primary motivation of the doctor in all of his and her iterations the primary motivation is the sanctity of all life throughout the galaxy at any stage. Yeah. Sanctity of life. Not to say, and just for clarity's sake, because I don't know who our audience is at this point. We're just a little baby podcast at this point. <laughs> That's not to say that Doctor Who is a pro-life show in the sense of the standard conservative evangelical stance of, anti-abortion doctor who is a pro-life show from this perspective of all life at any stage needs to be protected and guarded against evil and atrocities which then makes sense that the primary antagonist is this war race that wants to destroy everything exterminate everything that is not a (laughs) machine exterminate exterminate yeah so blaspheme, i would say that blaspheme. Is... sorry 
it's half of the fun. It's half of the fun. But no, I would say that is the primary motivation of the doctor, at least when I watch the show, is protecting life. Like I, when I think of characters in geekdoms that are inherently righteous, that ability to choose to do the good thing that will bring about the most moral good to the most amount of people. The doctor comes to mind, Finn from adventure yeah. time, captain America, Superman, all of these type of characters who their primary motivation is righteousness. I think curiosity is also a great yeah. uh, character trait to point out as well. Yeah. I like He's this. fascinated I like this. We by all, everything. We can all pick one. So I got curiosity. You got yeah. a care for life. Uh, Joe, if you had to pick one attribute, who is the doctor? Um, I think one of the best things about Doctor Who starting out in the old or in the in the the new um, in New Who, partially because of it being a, a revitalization of an older property. Lots of things went into this, but you literally see the growth of this character over long stretches of time. Yeah. And there's a sense of humility in early, I'm going to call it early new who that you are watching. And it's almost like you're like, you're, you're going on this journey with this character that it's almost akin to the same kind of deal that, you know, coming of age stories where that's usually you your your protagonists are um are uh teenagers or young adults and you know you see their maturation process you see their growth yeah same kind of deal here and that's why you know when when we get a little bit further on i have some hot takes involved (laughs) in that but that humility that says, okay, I'm still learning these things while still, you know, yes, there are some MacGuffin-y parts and things like that. Not anything near what it got to, but there's still, you know, there, there are those, those portions of it, but still you have this character that is trying to do good. Just trying to do good in the world, but humble enough to understand that that like to have those growth moments and things like that. Yeah. Um man. Yeah. So humility is just a good one. My favorite doctor, who I'm gonna tell you all who it is in a minute, but uh actually ends by, you know, supposedly he's a superior race, but his story arc ends by him deciding to sacrifice himself for a single human. Not for humankind, but for a human. And that's just yeah, humility is right there, man. Um so we got curiosity we got a care for life and humility. Yeah, that that's yeah. that is the, the doctor. So that being said, that, that puts good context for we wanted to give you all a list of our favorite to least favorite doctors. Um, not all of us might include all of them. Um, I will say to, to Joe's point, this is just backtracking a little bit. But uh, what's interesting is you see each time the doctor regenerates sort of his character growth goes with it. His personality might mm. be more immature or more mature, whatever. But like if you watch like the first doctor, he's caring about just such like the kind of stuff he cares about as the first doctor. By the time you get to who he is with the ninth doctor in the new series, it's just not even on the same plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that being said, so list of our favorite to least favorite. Do you guys want me to go first? I get I'll start. So I am. 
I am not as well versed in the classic doctors. My understanding is that Tom Baker is to Doctor Who as Sean Connery is to James Bond. That is my understanding. And I've seen some Tom Baker, perfectly fine, love the scarf. Of what I have consumed of the classic Doctors, I do like the second Doctor. Uh, The uniqueness about him was that he kind of had this like, sloppy, kind of like disheveled, not always put together (laughs) appearance, played a recorder, which is super annoying, (laughs) but he was sharp as a whip. Like he is probably the one that is very sarcastic, very, very intelligent. In space. (laughs) Oh, did he fight the Yeti? I know Tom Baker (laughs) fought a uh, Loch Ness monster. I have that book somewhere, somewhere on my bookshelf. Um, So yeah, so I do like... yeah. Fought the Yeti. That's cool. But more points. Um, so for me, that would be the classic doctors. I would I would say I do like the the second doctor. When it comes to the uh, new who, as Joe was putting, and I was trying not to giggle every time he said it. Uh, <laughs> as for new who, um, my favorite doctor is David Tennant. Uh, my least favorite doctor for a very long time was Matt Smith. However, giving some thought leading up into this episode, I've changed my view, and I have decided that Peter Capaldi is actually my least favorite of the doctors. He's one of the best. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Okay. (laughs) Do do you want me to give my Um, reasons now, or should we all go around first? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'm curious. Okay, okay, I'll okay. go around. Yeah, well, let's we'll just all give our list, and then we'll we'll pick we'll pick and choose what we want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna jump in, Josh. I think you should go. I, I think you should go last out of the three of us sure. because you are the most veteran fan yes. out of out of the I, three of us. I don't know if that's sad or great. <laughs> <laughs> if this were if this were an episode about comics, it would be different. But you're <laughs> yeah, right. super into yeah. or wrestling. Um. Right. Um, okay. So I also have a limited exposure base, like I said, to the, to, to the, uh, older, uh, episodes. I've only ever seen Tom Baker episodes. So, and I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed it. Um, so, so that little honorable mention, I guess. Um, so I would say going from the top of the bar, I put David Tennant as one a, and Christopher Eccleston is as one B hmm. for the simple fact I that I fundamentally I believe that if we got more out of Christopher Eccleston, he would be known as a better uh, who than Tenet was. Ah, no, just because like, you, it, this is, this is one of my, like, this is the same thing that I, that makes me love blues music so much and playing blues music and why I found such a happy home there, uh, pun intended when if if i'm watching something or if i'm listening to something and you make me feel a thing i you you've got me you've got you've 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 got me hooked and when you see the emotion behind the eyes of tenet yeah. and you see the emotion behind the eyes of christopher eccleston mm. Wow. Like yeah, you just, it yeah. took somebody like me who I didn't really, um, 
I was always way more into horror than I was sci-fi. Yeah. It, I just, for some reason, outside of like Star Wars, basically, sci-fi never really clicked with me until I was a bit older. And so for me, it took somebody who didn't have any kind of connection that like at the end of Tenant's Run, when what happens happens, you know, no spoilers or anything for uh, a arc that's what 15 years older no, older <laughs> if not if not older 60 yeah. in total. um well yeah, yeah 60 in total <laughs> but when when you have those final closing moments of his of his story arc wow yeah, both, like both of their finales are on this ride with him to this point of you're in the moment if oh, yeah. you can get me you know like you said about daleks Daleks are inher- are inherently ridiculous. <laughs> the whole thing yeah. is ridiculous. It is on a it's absurd. lot of levels. But like, it's interesting to me that you guys, being more veteran fans than me, I still have that same kind of connection, like what you guys are talking about with the Daleks. Like, mm-hmm. I hear that noise, and I'm like, especially uh, at the at those beginning episodes or beginning from where I was, that was something to me that was like that that. You 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 felt like like these these characters these enemies had had weight behind them yeah. like there was actual consequence behind what happened um, did not stay that way but <laughs> so that is something that, um, yeah. that I resonate with those with those ones. I'll extend um, your sentiment of uh, Eccleston and Tennant to Capaldi. I have the same thing with like the passion in his eyes and everything with how he portrayed it blew my mind. So. On the topic of Peter Capaldi, I would put him as third for the simple fact that, like, in theory, so much of Peter Capaldi is really cool. Whoever thought that those sunglasses were a good idea needs to not have any more ideas. No, you're done. You're fired. Go home. You're drunk. Here's Like, that's not – come on. Here's my strongest – It looks like – Here's my strongest stance in Doctor Who. Um, Stephen Moffat ruined it. Um, oh, 100%. Stephen Moffat ruined it. But which good yeah, news? That's what. Um, what what's his name? I can't. Russell Davies. He's coming back. Russell. Yes. He's going to be the showrunner yeah. again. Super excited. It's funny because and and to 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 extend out what I you know that 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 whole that whole arc for Peter Capaldi. You, I could get into into details. I think Clara was around for uh, like way Clara. longer than she needed to be. All of that, like I, I yeah. you could get into the particulars, but I think a good summation point is that in theory there was a lot of really cool ideas at play. You had this person who you saw like give you a sugar rush. She was so <laughs> stupidly, sickeningly sweet with with uh, with Matt Smith. That you have the tables turned to this grizzled old veteran that's like, yeah, great. You, he's seen some things <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of that. Still cares about people, yeah. but like is curmudgeonly about yeah. it. He's got a lot of I'm, that fire yes, and ice you, and rage, you, if you will. Right. And that's, to me, it's the, some of the moments that you had me with with uh, Christopher Eccleston and, and David Tennant were those moments where like, yeah, he could be chipper and happy, but like, woe betide. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the the mood has now changed, and now we're being serious, and now you know that he will crush you inside of three point five <laughs> if you don't if if you don't change what's yeah. going on. The first and it's my scene. 
I'll say the first episode with Tenet where he goes from quoting the Lion oh. King and dancing around and then almost like flipping a switch. This guy tries to turn on him and destroy Earth and he just kills the guy and just straight up is because yeah. he's still trying to figure out who he is. And he says, no second chances. That's what kind of guy I am. I'm like, man, and it's, it's that that made it hard for me to get into Matt Smith on the opposite end. Because for me, when right. Matt Smith would start acting that lighthearted, because the doctor has like a serious side ready to go to war and a lighthearted, funny side. Eccleston was funny. David Tennant was funny. Matt Smith, for whatever reason, it always came off more like a clown. Like he's, hey, kids, it's Krusty the Clown. Like that's how he came off to me when he started acting funny. And that was the hard part for me to get into the character. That being said, um, Matt Smith is in my favorite episode of all of Doctor Who. Which one? So that's why I can give him props. He's in some of my favorites, too. I I really Uh, like some individual episodes. The Doctor's Wife. It was written by Neil Gaiman, which is probably why I liked Um, it. (laughs) All of the the whole story of the Doctor in River Song, I love. There's so much of Matt Smith years I did love, but... There's this meme out there where you have Christopher Eccleston next to a tiger. You have David Tennant next to Tigger. And then they have Matt Smith next to what appears to be a very drunk pussycat. And uh, that that's pretty accurate. Um, I, for me, Eccleston was a little too serious and Matt Smith was way too silly. And because, uh, you know, what it was is Eccleston would just use a salt and pepper shaker. David Tennant would be like, oh, salt and pepper. How clever. And Matt Smith would dance around like a like a drunk and talk about how clever salt and pepper was for 20 minutes. And I'm like, I don't care. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm just seconding what you're saying, but also just y- y'all can tell I, I do not like Matt Smith, but he's not my least favorite doctor. Um, okay. yeah, sorry, Joe, did, were you, uh, did you have any more thoughts on, on your list? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, all of those, all of those things forgiven, as far as, you know, are, are all of those things considered um, the execution of Peter Capaldi's run? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the writing was trash, man. Yes. Like, holy Toledo. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Like, that was just not yeah, good. But the acting was superb. Yes. Where, where to me, I would rather somebody peeling the paint off the walls from an acting point of view than somebody walking around super zany, super colorful, mm-hmm. like, you know, all of that kind of stuff, even if the there's more continuity, even if there is more uh, attempted story storyline substance, which I will give to Matt Smith. They tried a lot. Yeah. They were very, very mm-hmm. adventurous from overarching standpoint, like too many overarching twists, storytelling. Like, Here's a twist for the twist of the twist. And at some point, True. the twist was R- expected. True. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but eventually they got to this point where they started becoming, you mentioned righteousness. Yeah. I would say that it started out as yes, righteousness. And then they f- forgot that righteousness and self-righteousness are not the same thing. True. Yeah. And yeah. it very much became grandstanding. It became, Look at me and how holier I, holier than now I am, while painting it in a way that is attempting to follow the story and follow the bouncing ball, but also completely disregarding the yeah. story mm-hmm. and following. So the I will. Ball. Um, for for my for my take on that, um, 
what, what I'll say, you could cut out the Matt Smith years and the story works just fine, which is the most aggravating part. Like he doesn't contribute <laughs> to the overarching story at all. Um, I have and, a theory why Matt Smith is so popular, but say what you need to say. What, what I was going to say is a lot of the, the new doctor, what I truly believe is it's a picture of a man, a great man, I will say, <laughs> dealing with su- superb grief. You know, at first with Eccleston, he's just it's just all rage. And with David Tennant, he's kind of getting a little sillier. And then Matt Smith, he just needs to retreat as a child for a while. And then he comes back as Capaldi and he knows how to fix his mistake. And he's just super focused, almost annoyingly focused on how to fix it. And now we're left with Jodie Whittaker as the doctor where it seems like the purpose is done. Um, They don't have a purpose in the show. The writing is good, but not great. The acting is good, but not great. And it's just a good show right now. That's it. So next up on Christian debates, <laughs> newest who is trash. No, more at 11. False. More the best 11. who is David Tennant. And that is new who. Uh, no, no, no. I meant the newest as in Jody Whitaker's run. No, no, no. It was still good. Uh, it's just not see. great. I have not seen any of Whitaker's run yet, but that is just because my HBO Max subscription ran out before I could get to that point. So, still uh, lost too much. <laughs> I like her outfit, uh, though. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, um, are you re- are you ready for my list or any final <laughs> yeah, notes? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. I I actually because I ha- have seen. Every single doctor. I actually own a DVD that isn't available in America. So I had to convince my PlayStation that I live in the UK so that it would play that DVD. And that's of the sixth doctor. Um, nice. I have an entire shelf of classic doctor who DVDs. I, I have a problem. Um, <laughs> and I don't know all the actors names. So for simplicity's sake, I, I did it as numbers and I did include the war doctor for this. Oh. Um, so yeah, fun stuff. I I yeah I actually wrote out a list for this, so I'll put it in the show notes or I'll put it on an article or something. So if you guys want to check it out, you can check it out. Um, so I have it as number ten as first. Uh, then I have the second Doctor. Then I have the twelfth, which is Capaldi. So that's also my third Joe. Um, then I have fifth. Then I have the War Doctor, and that top five is pretty solid. That's I know I stand there. The last two I also pretty firm on those being my least. This next seven I'm going to give you. I'm really iffy on. So after the war doctor, I have four, then eight, then 13, then nine, then one, then six, then seven. But all of those could, could change. I, they're, they're all good, but they're not, none of them stood out to me. I know Tom Baker is like a lot of people's favorite and that's the fourth doctor, but he did none of his stuff really stood out to me that much. I was just like, okay, hmm. whatever. Um, my last two, very, very strong on this would be Matt Smith and then the third doctor. The third doctor was dumb. The entire concept was stupid. Uh, I don't understand why this super curious guy with a ship that can teleport absolutely anywhere in time and space decides I need a card named Bessie. No, you don't. That's just silly. <laughs> Sorry. That's all. Do you mean other than just um, budget cuts or I, that's, that's I, the only good I reason just, you've got. Yeah. I like, he and even when they did like the five doctors episode, like he was just too silly. He is worse than Matt Smith. And I don't mm-hmm. understand how it made it to classic who. And um, that might be why people like Tom Baker so much, because he was infinitely better than the third doctor. Interesting. Interesting. Infinitely. I, I do not like him. All right. Yeah. 
So uh, did y'all want to pick at anything particular in my list there? Well, I think it's interesting, right? When you have when you have so three people that yes, there's some similarity, but there's also really big differences in each the way each person um, relates. You know what I mean? How they interact with this thing, and different things stand out to different people, right? Like if you are of a personal or if you are of a particular um, mindset about, you know, what, what messages do I want or don't want out of my show? You're going to like certain, uh, certain seasons. Do I, would I rather somebody peeling the paint off the walls or making me laugh and smile? You're going to like a different set of seasons. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and so on and so forth. And yeah. a lot of people's favorite is Matt Smith because he is. Yeah. He's more fun. I will grant that. He's a I got a theory. Fun. I have a theory on that. Would you like to hear my theory about why Matt Smith is so popular? Yes. Yes. We're running a little yeah, long, but I need theory. to hear. I'll, I'll go quick. So I think this happens all the times with bands. It just happened to Panic at the Disco a couple years ago. You're around for so many years. You have all these studio albums. You have a very devout big fan base you put out an album that starts catching the attention of a lot of other people death of a bachelor and then all these new fans come in and then you put out the next album and that one explodes that is the big album and i think i really think that no matter who came after david Tennant, that was going to be everyone's favorite doctor because by that point in that you have all these years of building up doctor who you have David Tennant, who was on the show for several seasons, getting it to like this standard, this like mark of really good entertainment. Yeah. We're talking like 2012, 2013, streaming's becoming a bigger thing. It's starting to not just be a British thing on PBS. Right. Matt Smith comes in and explodes. So that's yeah. why I really think anyone <laughs> could have gone in there. Anyone could have been yeah. in that slot and it would have been uh, loved. Yeah. Well, and here are just I've debated the Matt Smith thing for so long with so many different friends. Um, My one of my best friends, it's his favorite doctor, which it's dumb. You're wrong, Zach. Get over it. Um, (laughs) But I will say I don't think it's Matt Smith's fault. I think a lot of it had to do with the writing being terrible. I saw the wardrobe that Matt Smith wanted to be for the doctor. It was way better, way cooler. And I've seen Matt Smith and other stuff. and I'm like, he's not a bad actor. I, I think a lot of it had to do with Stephen Moffat had an idea of what he wanted to do. And a lot of it had to do with David Tennant pulled in so much money that they were like, hey, we can afford great effects now. And they just leaned more on that and humor than they did storyline. And it ruined the show for a little while for a lot of us. One of the things that I consistently hear from longtime Doctor Who fans is that they wish that they could they could see a season of Matt Smith, Doctor Who, when he's a little bit older and refined his acting ability just a bit better that he was general consensus is that he was too young when he, when he did it. And that's part of what is very hard to take seriously. Uh, It's, it's very interesting to me that you had said, Brandon, what, what you had said, because for me having the, having the power of, of being able to binge the entire thing and not being a part of the actual rise of new who Mm -hmm. I had the ability to go straight from tenant to Matt Smith. The way the way I left with what left the Matt Smith run, or, or the way I've left the David Tennant run, um, and no, 
whoever it was, was going to suffer for not being David Tennant. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so th- I think there might be a, a bit a, a bit of issue there. But I think that Matt Smith is one of those guys who you see his his newer stuff and the way that he's he acts in like this methodical kind of way that like that it's almost like you can see parts of that in different at different times it starting to kind of shine through on Doctor Who but I feel like to an extent it's it was it was the perfect storm of having somebody who still needed the polishing of experience yeah. And written by somebody who couldn't write his way out of a paperback. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I um yeah, we, we we need to try and rush this rush this along. But um I, I did want to <laughs> let you guys know something. Y'all do y'all want to hear something absolutely tragic? I yes. started Doctor Who on season two, episode eight, because a friend of mine was like, This would be good for Halloween. So we watched the Satan run. Um, with the Legion as do as the Ood and all that. And we're going to do an after show on that. You guys go to Patreon, check that out. We'll talk all about those episodes. It's a fun yeah. time. Um, but I started there and I just loved it so much. That I was like, wow, what was that? But the production value was low. So I just, I was like, yeah, whatever. I could live without it. Two months go by and I'm still thinking about it. So I was like, yeah, dude, you, you got to show him. What was that show? And he told me it was Doctor Who. So I started right where I was and just watched it through. I had no idea that the Doctor regenerated. So when Tenet died oh. and this other guy showed up, I was like, who is this? Why is he so awful? <laughs> I was just furious. Um, so that being said, uh, season two, episode eight is not a great place to start. Do not start the show there. Um, where where do you guys think if someone were to choose a place to start watching Doctor Who, where should they start? Eccleston. Yeah. For sure. Uh, okay, then I'll be contrary and say, no, start with David Tennant, but start at the Christmas invasion. Um, because here, here's the thing. Joe mentioned it earlier. Pretty much anywhere you start, if you start with a new doctor, they're going to explain what's going on. They're going to backtrack because they know not everyone has seen the last 50, 60 years of the show. So they do explain it. You can start almost anywhere and be OK. Yeah, the nice part about one of the parts I like about Doctor Who is that there is continuity. There is continuing storyline. But it, there is also this element of Twilight Zone creature feature that – uh, there are yes. some episodes that are just standalone, in and out. He fights a monster. Yeah. The end. Yeah. If you're so. going to just watch one episode, uh, it's in season three. It's called Blink. Watch that. The Doctor's in it very little, but it's worth it. <laughs> True. Um, do y'all have y'all have a single episode you would say if they were just going to watch one? My favorite episode, The Doctor's Wife. Uh, it's Matt Smith. I can't remember the exact uh, season and a number. Yeah. But if you Google that title, it will come up and uh, that's a in and out one episode story. Yeah. Um, a Christmas Carol is also a good one if you're Christmas time and that's Matt Smith. Um, but I loved it. Um, and listen, that's Capaldi. That's a good, if you're just going to watch a one-off. Um, yeah. So that being said, uh, I, I'd like to go ahead and jump to the Bible verse since we're running over time. Um, Second Timothy one seven is what I chose, and here's here's why I chose it. Um, for me personally, that that verse means a lot, even though it's kind of a cliche. People throw it around a lot. Um, I had been in a car accident once, and I was going into my second or third brain surgery or something, and I was really unsure if I was going to make it out of this. 
And I just remember that being the only thing I could think in my head was for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I just kept thinking that to myself and I was praying and, you know, I woke up and I'm fine now. But that, that verse means so much to me because, you know, it's one of those you just hear and I feel like you hear it so much. It doesn't mean anything anymore. But when you really think about the fact that God's given us power and love and self-control, guys, that, that screams the doctor to me, right? Yeah. Like that's part of what yeah. the doctor does is he's the symbol of hope. He's the symbol that we do not need to fear that that humankind is worth something. It has a value in of itself. And, you know, it's something that Brandon mentioned a lot earlier. Um, so in the day of the doctor, which is where we have three different regenerations of the doctor in the same time, because he can time travel. So we can see different versions of himself. And man, I wish I could do that. I would love to see high school Josh and just smack him a few times. Um, <laughs> but in, in the day of the doctor, he has three different versions of himself and they are faced with this huge conflict and are forced to remember their oath, the doctor's oath. And this is kind of goes along with the verse. Um, it's never be cruel or cowardly, never give up, never give in. And then of course, Capaldi adds to it whenever he's getting ready to regenerate to the next doctor. And he says, never be cruel or cowardly, never give up, never give in, never eat pears. It's an important one. Uh, remember that hate is always foolish. Love is always wise and always try to be nice Never fail to be kind. And I think that that pretty much sums up who the doctor is. And in a lot of ways, and maybe you guys can correct me, if you are imitating the doctor in a lot of ways, you are sort of imitating Christ, like a, a lot of the same attributes. It's just what it means to be righteous. Um, what, do you all have any takes on that or any thoughts on the doctor's oath? Well, I like pears, but besides that... Um, <laughs> No, I think I, Josh, I like what you had to say there. Like, I think that is a great verse that definitely connects well with the doctor and connects well with us as we pursue Christ and what he, uh, what he has called us to and what the Holy spirit enables us to live like. And I do also think that the, um, the creed, I forgot what it was called, but the creed of the time Lord doctor, um, is also a good match for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's one thing that I think that's part of why the doctor is bigger than life, because we can humans are incapable of never being cruel or cowardly, of never giving up and all of that other stuff. Right. Like that's not what humans are capable of. You know, the doctor is an alien, so we can do it. But in reality, the only way you can actually truly live that out is with the Holy Spirit and by accepting Jesus. And I, I know that's super cliche, but I don't think I'm wrong. No. <laughs> uh, Joe, did you have any thoughts? No, I mean that's that's a that's a great bridge, uh, bridging verse and and something that's very important to um, take with us regardless of the situation whether or not it's it's uh, quote unquote big or small that it's still something that we can um, count on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. And it's um, yeah, yeah, it's just something that's I don't know always stuck with me. Yeah, just good really good I, I never eat a pear okay all right well on that note guys how about we start wrapping things up real quick does anybody have any recommendations that we, they would like to leave our listeners uh concerning doctor who and the expanded universe of audiobooks books comics anything guys uh, has absolutely nothing to do with doctor who but i've been meaning to make this recommendation so i'm going to do it anyway <laughs> um it's your show 
Yeah, I'm I'm back on back back on the musicals track because I, I know I mentioned one earlier. But uh, if you have not seen Galavant, it's worth it. Both seasons. <laughs> it's a musical that's just kind of a parody of that whole knight in shining armor kind of story. It's it's a fantastic show. Nice. Uh, I will recommend. I am a uh, I'm a big Doctor Who. Uh, literary fan and right now uh preparing for this episode i've been reading 12 doctors 12 stories uh this was a book that came out to celebrate the 50th anniversary and the regeneration into peter capaldi uh it is one short story uh per doctor written by 12 different authors one of them is neil gaiman most known for sandman american gods uh norse mythology uh, also, the author to Artemis Fowl is one of the writers, and I cannot remember that person's name. So far, it's been really good. Joe, I think you would like one of the stories because there's a lot of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Cthulhu, Mythos elements that come into it. Uh, but yeah, definitely check that out. Um, I am going to recommend Doctor Who related um the big Finnish stories that center around River Song. I think... River Song is one of the best things about New Who. I I love the chemistry um, that she brings to um, to the show, and what they what they are able to do when it's taken out of the limitations of the the television format, and you can create whatever atmosphere you want to create with. Uh, the audios, I think it is some of the best audiobook storytelling within the Doctor Who yeah. universe that's done. Oh, yeah, all of the eighth Doctor run in the audiobooks is also great. Yeah, nice. they do great stuff over there. Nice. All right. Well, before we get out of here, how about we recap who we all are and what other projects we are a part of? So, again, I'm Brandon Knight. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at just.brandon.k. I have my own podcast, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the things I'm studying in grad school. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will have an episode on the sons of God in Genesis 6-2. And there should be an episode here pretty soon on something related to demons as well. Uh, you can find the show on all the, us- all the usual suspects and on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. Yeah, and I am Joshua Knoll, and of course, I also am one of the co-hosts of the Whole Church Podcast. Check that out wherever you find podcasts, also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just um, and what it is. My name is Joe Day, um, and you can find the other show that I co-host, Buddy Walk with Jesus, on all of the usual platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you can find podcasts. Next time on Systematic Geekology, we will be reviewing Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, featuring Joe, Josh, Alex Matthews, and Alicia Matthews. Go to our website in the description to let us know what you have been geeking out on and what we should be. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.